Well, good evening. Uh, it's great to be with you this evening and for those joining us online, welcome as well. Uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Megan and I have the privilege of being a part of the preaching team here at Alice Springs Baptist Church. And tonight we, if you haven't already figured that out, are continuing on in the series we've been doing on Romans, as Gav said a little bit earlier. And we did see this video last week, but it's worth watching again. It gives this really um, good, concise and yet quite detailed summary of the context of this letter. Um, last week, Dave Blackman spoke about the systematic explanation of the gospel that we see Paul lay out in his letter to the, the church in Rome. And tonight, we're going to consider the tension that we see Paul express and work through in verses 8 to 17. He really wanted to be with the church in Rome, but he couldn't be. And so we're going to be talking about what it feels like to be torn between good people, good places and good opportunities. What we're going to do is we're going to read through all of these verses, 8 to 17, just straight through, and then we're going to sort of go back and look at what we can learn from the way that Paul wrote uh, in this letter. So reading and starting from verse 8. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I have planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilised world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Tonight I want to invite you to consider these words from the perspective of the author. Rather than considering this is the recipient of this letter, think about for a minute Paul sitting there writing this letter. He is torn. He really wants to be with this church in Rome, you can hear it in the way he writes, there is this longing to be there. I wonder if you've ever felt like that, torn between multiple opportunities or possibilities. Have you ever felt the pinch of limitations in distance, in time or in capacity? I suspect that you all have. We even have a word for it. It's called FOMO. We fear missing out on exciting experiences and connections, but do you know what? We can also fear missing out on ministry opportunities and really good things. We've just returned from a holiday and, and this year we, we got to go back to uh, the hometown where we grew up and stay with my parents in the home that I grew up in and uh, go back to the church that I grew up in and see many of the people that have been really influential in uh, both of our lives up to, to this point. And I think probably especially since having children, uh, when I get back from these holidays, there's a little part of me that feels torn and sad 
that I live so far away from family and from people that I love and care about and I want to see God work in and I want to encourage and I want to be encouraged. Just like Paul said to the church in Rome, I want to come with you so that I can be encouraged by you and, and, and you can encourage me. And I feel like that about my home church, the church I grew up in sometimes, and my family. Friends we love, people of peace that we invested in, but now we're in a different season of life and we don't see them anymore. There's a pinch and a bit of a pain in that. Maybe you're not torn from somewhere that you've left and you're glad that that's behind you, but it's possible you may also be torn towards a place that you really want to go. Maybe you have a little seed of a call to overseas mission or you're looking forward to, to going more remotely or doing something a little bit different or there's a new season on the horizon and a part of you is already there. I know when we were um, kind of coming to the end of our process of prayer and discernment and we knew that we were called to come to Alice Springs, that was really clear at least six months before we came here. And from that point onwards, there was this tension that we were constantly praying through. We want to finish well in all that God has put before us where we are in Melbourne at the time. But there's a huge part of us that already is, is kind of there. We know this is where God has us and we just want to get there as quick as we possibly can. Perhaps there's a ministry that you know of or somehow you're invested in a small way and you have a seed of longing for, for that place or that people group. But in this season, it's not possible for you to step in further. You want to, but you just can't. You may even find yourself torn between good opportunities locally. I know for me, I live in constant tension between the opportunities I have to serve at work, at home and at church. For those of you that don't know, I'm a renal physician or a kidney specialist by training and, and I long to be able to do more in an area that is an incredible need here in Alice Springs. And yet, I feel the call to be home with my boys and watch them go. I have a five-year-old and a and a three-year-old. And so there is this tension. And I know that in this season, my call is to be at home, and so this other opportunity is only partly kind of filled. In tonight's passage, we see Paul torn. He is doing good work. He is doing God's work among the Gentiles. We, we believe he wrote this letter from Corinth. And he is doing good work there, but he longs to be with the church in Rome. A part of him wants to be there already. Paul was a leader. He was close to God. He was not perfect, but he's a pretty good example of what Christ was like. In fact, in one of his letters to the Corinthians, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so tonight we're going to look at the way that Paul wrestles through this tension in what he writes to this church in Rome because it's a really good example for us to follow, I believe, when we face these tensions in our lives, these limitations in space, in time, in distance, where we long to be doing something more that we can't and we just feel limited or torn. The first thing that I want to note that we can learn from this is that it is okay to feel torn. Sometimes we can subconsciously buy into the lie that I'm going to call the one. We apply this to relationships, we apply this to jobs and we can also apply this sometimes to faith. The, the one is the idea that if I just marry the right person, everything will be easy and fine and we'll never have any trouble. That's a lie, by the way. Um, relationships take work, even with, if you're with a really fantastic person. There's this lie that says if I'm just in the right job, then I will love my job. 
You know, you should do what you love for a living. That's kind of the message that the world gives us. And if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But the truth is that anywhere we are, there is going to be work involved. Yes, there will be wonderful opportunities, but it's going to be hard. We can apply this same lie in our faith. It goes a little bit like this. If I am in the centre of God's will, if I am where he wants me to be, then I should feel perfectly at peace. And if I am feeling torn or mourning limitations in distance, time or capacity, then I must be in the wrong place or doing the wrong thing. Now, restlessness may be a sign that God is stirring a new calling in you. And we're going to talk about that in a moment and the way we need to pray into that. But sometimes these limitations are just part of living in a broken world. I firmly believe that being at the centre of God's will is the very best place to be and that in that place with prayer and constant attention to God we can find deep soul peace at work in our lives despite the tumult around us. But we are broken human beings living in a broken world and we will feel the pinch of limitations by distance, time and capacity and it is okay to feel that. Paul felt that. A man who, as best as we can tell, lived his life from that point of conversion in line with God's heart. He felt that tension. Paul longed to be with the church in Rome and and not for himself, for really good reasons. I long to visit you. I want to encourage you. I also want to be encouraged. I want to work with you and see spiritual fruit. This is not a a selfish goal. He wants to go because he wants to do God's work there. It's a really good goal that he has. But does the fact that he had this longing mean that the work he was doing in Corinth and amongst all the Gentile churches was not God's will for him? No, of course not. He's torn because as much as he tried to become all things to all people, he could not be with all people in all places at the same time. And when you feel the burden to share God's love with many different people groups, as Paul did, He says, I have a great sense of obligation to people both in the civilised world and the rest of the world, the educated and the uneducated alike. Is it no doubt that he felt torn, that he couldn't be with all these people at one time? If you feel the tension of limitations in distance, time or capacity, know that it's okay. In fact, it means that you care beyond what is immediately in front of you and that's a good thing provided we approach it with wisdom. And that's what we see Paul demonstrate in tonight's passage. The first thing he did with this tension is he started with gratitude. He says in verse 8, let me first, let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. Sometimes when great things happen in a place or with a person that we have a seed of longing for, as broken human beings, there's a temptation to celebrate what God's doing with a hint of FOMO or sadness or jealousy. I had a a, a friend that I invested in, a person of peace that I was journeying with and and I I hoped bringing towards uh, God and we lost touch for several years and many years later I found out that many years after we lost touch he became a Christian and of course I was very excited about this and I shared with Gavin and we were both very excited about this transformation in this individual's life but if I'm truly honest and this shows how broken I am as much as I was really excited there was this small sting of but I missed the harvest I missed getting to see him become the person God was creating him to be 
This can also apply to work opportunities or, or other places that we want to say, this wonderful thing happened, isn't it amazing, but I wasn't a part of it. We don't see that here in Paul's expression of thankfulness. We see true joy at what God is doing. Not a God did this and I'm sorry I wasn't part of it. It's God did this and that is amazing. Your faith is being talked about. And the first thing, the thing I want to start with is thanking God through Jesus for you. There's no sense of disappointment but rather gratitude. I still don't get this right all of the time. But I hope and pray that I might become a person who is more interested in what God is doing than in what I am doing. Such that... I can be fully and truly thankful for wherever God is at work, whether it directly involves me or not. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me. I'm blessed to be a part of God's family and his body. And as Paul describes in his first letter to Corinthians, when one part of the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices. So let's be a church that celebrates where God is at work, even if it's in people and places and opportunities that we can't currently be a part of. The second thing that we see Paul do is pray. Where we are limited, prayer is not. He says, God knows how often I pray for you. In, in the ESV version, it says, God is my witness that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. Although Paul cannot be physically present with the church in Rome, he is prayerfully present with the church in Rome. Now I've been challenged just by this line. When I first read this passage, it was one of the ones that just jumped off the page and went, could you honestly say God is my witness how often I've prayed for you? How often do we say, oh, I'll pray for you, and then we forget what we said we'd pray for or who we said we'd be praying for? to truly pray for someone constantly and be able to honestly say, God is my witness that I am praying into this opportunity every day. The other challenge for me has been that wherever I feel this pinch of limitation, whether it's being far from people that I love or missing opportunities at work or in ministry or even the days that I miss out at home with my boys, that my first response ought to be to elevate that in prayer. And to realise that God is not limited by time and space as I am. But also to seek God's will where the tension grows. Paul wanted to be with the church in Rome. But rather than saying, well, I want to be there so I'm just going to go. He says, one of the things I pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come to you. He submitted even this longing to be with this church to God's will. In the letter that James writes, he says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to this certain town or we'll stay here there for a year, we'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is nothing like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. So when we feel that tension, the close say, okay, God, I feel this, this tension, but it's your will be done. Just as Paul did here, I pray to come to the church, the church in Rome, God willing, if it's his will. When I was reading a commentary uh, before tonight, I read this, this quote from Charles Spurgeon, a theologian, and it said, no wonder they, that is the church in Rome, prospered so well when Paul always made mention of him, of them in his prayers. How many churches would prosper more if we mentioned them regularly in prayer? 
So we can start with gratitude. We can pray. But the other thing that we see is Paul's commitment to not miss out on what is in front of him. Remember what it is that you're saying yes to. Paul longs to serve in the church at Rome. That's really clear. And to be encouraged with them. But he's been prevented. And why has he been prevented? Because he's been preaching the gospel among other Gentiles. I was prevented until now. I want to see the fruit I've seen among the other Gentiles. He's been busy working in Corinth, in the surrounding churches that he's been planting and writing to. It is not idleness, sloth or apathy or even fear that has prevented Paul from coming to Rome. It is that he was doing God's work among other people. I know that I can be guilty of being so focused on the place I want to be that if I'm not careful and prayerful, I can miss the opportunity right in front of me. There's a concept I came across many years ago which has been really helpful for me with these tensions, especially the limitations of time and space, which is to consider what it is that I am saying yes to when I have to say no to something else. For example, in my own life right now, I say no to working more hours. I work very part-time and even though there's an incredible need in renal medicine in Central Australia, I have chosen again and again to say no to working more because I have said yes to being home with my children. I haven't said no because I'm just saying no. I've said no because I'm saying yes to something else. Paul had to say no to coming to Rome because he was saying yes to the mission God had given him at that time. Now I say no to living around the corner from my parents as nice as that would be with young children because I've said yes to the call of God to live and serve here in Alice Springs. And it's not a call I regret. It's a call I love. I wonder what you have said no to because you've already said yes to something else. I wonder if you remember and focus on what it is that you're saying yes to. Because if we're not careful, we get so caught up in thinking of all the things we're saying no to that we forget to actually serve in the place that we've been enabled to say yes to. Paul was prevented from going to Rome, even though that was a good thing because he'd said yes to the work God had given him among the Gentiles in that season, and that is a good thing. The other thing that we see Paul do is finish, well, start and finish with faith. Paul's work and life from his conversion onwards was defined by the gospel. And Dave Blackman unpacked that for us a little bit last week and we will see that unpacked further throughout this series. I'm eager to come to you to preach the good news that is the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God at work saving everyone. But here's the, here's the kind of summary of his thesis in verse 17. The gospel, the good news tells us of how God makes us right in his sight. It is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Now I just want to make a side point in terms of understanding context uh, here. His comment here that I'm not ashamed of the gospel may have had a bit more uh, weight to it if you were the church in Rome reading it because it's proposed certainly by some theologians and some um, historians that perhaps Paul's enemies in Rome have been spreading rumours that Paul hadn't come because he was scared. Because for Paul to come to Rome was a little bit like Jesus going to Jerusalem. Rome was the centre of the authority at the time. And Paul wants to be really clear. I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid. I want to come to you. I love you. 
It's not that I don't care. It's not that I'm scared. It's that I've been prevented by other things. So he just wants to be really clear about that. The other thing he wants to be really clear about is that God's work through Jesus was for everyone. First the Jew and also the Gentile. And this is a loaded statement and from that video we saw this is written to a church that was divided along a whole lot of theological questions which he goes on to address through this letter. But he's saying this salvation, this righteousness through faith is for everyone. Not just for Jews, not just for Gentiles, everyone. It's not what we do, but what God has done that makes us right through faith. Now, considering our focus tonight on this tension, these areas where we feel torn and face limitations in time or capacity, it's worth remembering when we feel those things that we need to have faith and trust that God is bigger than we are. If I cannot connect with a given person or a given opportunity, I can pray, I can start with gratitude, but I can also trust that God cares about that person and that opportunity and that he will try and fill that space. Not like my friend who I journeyed with and then lost touch with. God didn't forget him. In fact, God brought other people along to reap the harvest. Amazing. God used his body elsewhere to do what I could not. After prayer and searching for God's heart and his will, it is okay to let go of things that we cannot do and that we cannot control. In fact, it is essential for us to do that and to have faith that God will continue working where we cannot. Because after all, his mission, his grand plan doesn't rise and fall on my shoulders or on yours. In fact, we are blessed by his grace to play a small part in his restorative plan. But it's his plan. He's the one with the power to execute it. We just play a little part by his grace and through his will. And he cares more than we do about the things and the places and the people that we are missing. He cared more about the church in Rome, even than Paul did, and was working amongst them even when Paul couldn't. And so the place that you are missing, the person that you're missing, the opportunity that you are missing and longing for, God cares for that. He knows that. And so where we're clear that God has said, for this season, that's a no, because this is a yes, then we can hand that no over to him in faith because it is accomplished from start to finish by faith, not by what we do. A prayer that I have prayed some mornings and would do well to pray more because it is really helpful for me in navigating this tension is to wake up in the morning and kneel by my bed and say, God, thank you for what you have put in front of me today, whether it's today I'm working or today I'm at home. Help me to be faithful with this opportunity today and help me to trust you with everything else, with the things that are not mine to carry today. Let us consider in every aspect of our lives, those we're living now, the things we're saying yes to, those we long for, the things we've had to say no to, the things that we can only pray for in this season. Let us remember, church, that God is bigger than our limitations. His plan is bigger than just you and me. Let us recognise the tension for what it is and know that it's okay. Let's be thankful for what God is doing through others in areas where we cannot be present.
Let us pray and pray and pray and pray. Knowing that where we are limited, prayer is not. Let us consider what we are saying yes to and make sure we serve well there. And let us live from start to finish with faith in God's bigger plan and hand over to him with courage that which is not ours to carry in this season. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for the example of Paul. Thank you that although he longed to be with this church in Rome, as he wrote this letter, he didn't miss the opportunity to serve you where you put him. Thank you for his example of faithful and fervent prayer. Father, we hold out before you the places and people and opportunities that we feel torn about. We ask, God, that your will would be clear to us, that we would know what it is we're to say yes to, and by default, then what we need to say no to, and that the areas we need to say no to, we would submit to you. We trust, God, that you care more than we do about all of these places and people. And we ask that you would be at work there. Help us to be faithful with what you put in front of us and trust the rest to you.